I believe this story was confessional for Matthew. Um, it really wasn't so much about James and John, although Matthew includes later that James and John's mother came to Jesus and said, would you permit it that my sons would be seated in glory on your right and your left hands? And it is also recorded in Luke that James and John actually came themselves to Jesus and asked for that uh, esteemed privilege. Um, But here in this telling of uh, Jesus and the way in which he related to his disciples, it seems that Matthew has included himself with the disciples As he says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the uh, kingdom of heaven? Uh, Theirs was this kingdom ambition, and it was misguided as Matthew knew it. Jesus saw the world differently than they did, and he called a child uh, for illustrative purposes and held the child before them. It was this parable in motion as he spoke. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, it isn't complicated at all what Jesus was saying. We need to make sure that we understand that this is a two-part sermon. It is the case that Jesus says to them, whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he also adds to that, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Two parts, whoever becomes like this child and whoever welcomes Children, And so two parts to this, becoming humble like a child and welcoming children. I mentioned about three months ago in a sermon that my first job in church was to pick up bulletins. I was a child living in Macon, Georgia and attending the Martha Bowman Methodist Church. And at that location, I remember that there was an elderly gentleman in the congregation. He may have been the head usher. I do not know. But anyway, a precious individual who would get me and one other fellow to pick up the bulletins before we left the church after the worship service. And as a reward for that, as a reward for that, he would give us a pack of Wrigley Spearmint gum. And it was always something that I, I looked forward to. I don't claim that that's the reason that I entered into ministry uh, in this way. But I, I think that it may have had something to do with the fact that I was affirmed by him. Now, it was interesting, and I dropped it here. Let me get this. But about, uh, about a month ago, Eddie Olive came and put two packs of spearmint gum on my desk. And I, I, I knew exactly what she was saying. Remember the spearmint gum. She said to me, she said, I, I would have found the five pack, but I don't think they make them anymore. 
but she got her point across to remind me of how significant, how significant it is for us to affirm children and their places in our lives. Um, It makes a difference. In fact, it is critical to what we are doing um, as we share together in our focus right now. We live in a child-friendly culture. Uh, We don't have to invent this. It's already out there. Uh, Marketing to children is very effective. In fact, when McDonald's came up with the idea of a Happy Meal, that began to spill into all the other fast food restaurants. You cannot go somewhere where they do not offer some type of child's menu, right? And in fact, it's interesting because it's come full circle because now I know a number of adults who will order a Happy Meal or something off of the child's menu. But children are the reason that this was set in motion. Happy Meals and Playgrounds and Disneyland, Disney World, toys of every sort and television programs uh, by the hundreds that are designed for children uh, to watch and to be entertained. Um, That is not the only reason that they are constructed, though, in this way. They are, of course, intending to turn a profit, are they not? And they've learned how to do that very well. I mean, if there was no profit involved in making a Happy Meal, uh, then you can bet your bottom dollar that McDonald's would not be serving Happy Meals. You and I have participated in the construction of Main Street Hallway, and you may say to yourself, well, I actually was not involved in that. Um, Thinking of your situation, you may have come after the fact into this, but you are aware of it, and you have participated to some degree by your tithes and offerings in helping to make that space possible. Um, It was seven years ago that someone came up with this creative idea. I don't know who it was. It may have been a group of persons that did this. One of the beautiful things about the church is when we lose track of whose creative idea it is. And the idea itself begins to, to replace any individuality. And if you walk down Main Street hallway, you realize that it is a very affirming place. Uh, children come there and they know that it was constructed for them. This is a beautiful thing. Um, Those who are members of this church who have walked down Main Street Hallway um, have seen it a hundred times, have become used to that space. But you watch, if you see someone new come in, a guest in our midst, they are mesmerized by that. Uh, The parents and the children alike know that it has been constructed in order to make children and students, youth feel at home in that place. And it's a beautiful purpose. But there is another crucial element that we are seeking to live into right now. And that is to dream of what this kingdom might be. Our goal, of course, is to reach out and to embrace the idea that by the end of this year that we could have 100 children active in the hallways on Sunday morning. 
Um, this is a wildly important goal, as we are calling it. And you have heard both Stephanie and myself refer to this many times uh, since mid-February. You will hear it many, many, many more times because we have it in every conversation that we speak. Fred Rogers died back in 2003, and I still mourn his passing. You know Mr. Rogers, don't you? Oh, I know that Saturday Night Live had a ball with him. But his presence on the television was fascinating to me. Our daughters, when they could have watched many other things, and they did watch some other things besides Mr. Rogers, but they would sit fascinated with this loving, very gentle personality when there was not much glitz to his show. You go back and watch the reruns of it now, and you will see just how very simple, even his puppets were so simple And yet he related so lovingly and so directly to the children that were on the show and the ones that were a part of his audience. There was this honesty and this humility that connected him with the children. And the children knew this. It was this loving presence that impressed them with the idea that he was paying attention. I know that you may not understand that there are difficulties with being a preacher, but there are. Let me tell you this. Um, Bob, is, Bob is shaking his head right now. And uh, I I will tell you that that there are many, many blessings to being a preacher, but there are some things that are so hard to figure out. And uh, one of those occurrences was in the hallway of our church a while back now um, when a mother uh, was standing there with her daughter. Her daughter was so bashful that her daughter was literally hiding behind her. And I was talking to the mother. The mother was embarrassed that the child was so bashful. And so she was trying to push the child out from behind her. And she ended up saying, hug the preacher, hug the preacher. (laughs) It was one of these very awkward moments, you know. And I thought to myself, how can I make this right? And I was looking in the eyes of the mother and I did not know exactly what to say. I was not going to say, yeah, hug the preacher, you know. And I thought, what can I do to make this right? And all of a sudden, um, this thought came to me, look at the child. And I dropped to my knees to be on eye level with the child. And the child eased over to me and hugged me so wonderfully around the neck. And as I was holding her, I said to her, I said, I do believe this may be the best hug I have ever ever received. You are a really, really good hugger. You would not believe how many hugs I have gotten from that child since that day. (laughs) There is something that we could learn about affirming children and letting them feel a part of who we are 
letting them be a part of our world. There is one child that comes into the office because he's a participant in our preschool program and he comes into the office in his parents' arms almost daily. He is a toddler. He is just beginning to learn the balance of staying on his feet. And when he comes, when he comes in, I dare say that he has a vocabulary of just one word. Maybe, no, maybe three words because he, he does know mama and he knows daddy. But other than that, it's just one word of communication. And he says when he comes in the door, he says, hey, <laughs> that's it, hey. And there is a, it's fascinating, there's a chorus from the, uh, the four desks of the staff person that are there in the office. There is this chorus of response to him as we say, hey, back, all four of us at the same time. And then he starts it again, hey, and we holler, hey. And we go through this routine almost daily. And it just is the most wonderful thing. And what is he getting out of this? What is he getting out of this? He's getting the idea that somebody's paying attention to him. And in fact, that he is bringing joy into our lives by his simply speaking this one word. And this is the call of our lives, to pay attention and to be aware, not only of children, but of all of those that are around us in very humble circumstances, but not to miss it when it comes to this childlike essence of life. I enjoy remembering that Perry was on staff at uh, the Wesley Glenn Group Home over in Lyons, Georgia. Perry was one of the workers there uh, for this special needs situation, these adults that had been gathered in who were able, with some direction, to care for themselves. They just needed to be guided, and so, and so Perry was one of the workers there. On this particular occasion, Jerry was out in the front yard. I was watching this evolve from about a half a block away where our house was located. And I saw that Jerry had been given instructions by Perry to stand there and to water the flowers and the shrubs at the front of the group home. And so he was standing there with the nozzle. And Perry got onto the lawnmower and began to make circles around the lawn, mowing the yard. And I saw it about to happen. Um, Jerry got it in his mind to spray Perry with the hose. And, and Perry did not realize this was coming. And at just the last moment, Jerry turned and Perry was right there and he sprayed him right in the face. And I thought, this is not going to work out well. This is not going to work out well. But, but Perry shook the water off and did not stop mowing, he kept going and made another circle. And when I saw him again, he had this huge smile and he was headed right toward Jerry and he knew he was gonna get hit. And sure enough, 20 times in a row, (laughs) Jerry sprayed Perry in the face and Perry couldn't get enough of it. And I thought, this is the guy that I want to be on my church staff. He got it. 
He understood how important it was to affirm all persons around you, but especially those who are in places of humility. We are here to welcome children. We are here to concentrate, to really give attention to what it means to gather children into our arms and into the arms of Christ. It's a hard thing to do without really paying it really careful attention. A counselor at school was reporting that she had had a conversation with a youth that had come to her who had explained that that in conversations with his father, that his father would pause to allow him to speak, but then continue speaking as if nothing had been said. And in fact, the, the youth mentioned to the counselor, I am nothing but a comma in the conversation, which is such a perceptive thing on the youth's part to see what's going on. God bless the parent to find out. How often do we really pay attention to the students that God has put into our lives? Um, Jared has done just a tremendous job of getting us organized And we're still looking for volunteers to fill the schedule. But this past, uh, not this past Sunday, I believe it was the Sunday before, but we had a student, a, a parent and volunteers meeting in which he was asking the parents to download an app. And he said, I want you to specifically put this app on your phone. And when you get it there, I want you to look at the number that is there. And to reflect on that just a little bit, and people were asking, what number? And he said, download the app, and then you will see. Now, the children of those that were a part of this assembly had already been entered into the program on Jared's side. When they put themselves into the program, what they discovered was that their child popped up in connection with their name, along with a number for the number of weeks left before they would graduate from high school. It almost brought some of the parents to the point of tears as they realized how precious the days are between where they were with their child at that time and how soon it would be before they would be out on their own Understanding how significant this is, is crucial for us. To have a sense of empathy. A mother and father came to pick up their child at a preschool gathering. It was a special event day and gifts had been made for the parents. The children had been given an opportunity to fashion a little vase out of some pottery mud and as they had done so they had decorated it to the best of their abilities this little ceramic offering the parents were excited to be there but particularly this one child was excited to see his parents come 
when at the end of the program, the opportunity was given to get the gift and to carry it to the parents, he rushed over to the table and in his excitement was running toward the parents when the vessel slipped out of his hands and you could see it happening in slow motion. It fell to that tile floor and shattered into a hundred pieces. The child stopped in his tracks and was completely silent and then let out a wail and began crying at what had just happened. The loss of opportunity to give this to his parents. The daddy, wanting to make things right as daddies do, came over, bent over to the child and said, it's okay, it doesn't matter. The mother in her right senses, came and knelt down beside the child and looked up incredulously at the father and then looked at the child and said, it does matter. It matters a great bit. And she began to weep with the child. Now, who was it that got the parenting right that day? You know who it was. The mother who had empathy for what the child was experiencing. As you think about children in your life, how is it that you connect with them? How is it that you're deciding to connect with children in regard to this wildly important goal? I actually have three questions for you here at the close of this sermon. The first question has to do with Jesus, and it's not meant to be rhetorical. I really do want you to answer me when I ask this question. What was Jesus's two-part sermon? Part one, I told you this at the first of my sermon. Come on, help me here. Jesus's two-part sermon, this is uncomplicated. The first part is, be like a child, okay? The second part is, Welcome children, we're getting there, okay, good. All right, that was question number one. You did well, okay? Question number two is meant to be a little bit more rhetorical because I just want you to think about this and question three as well. What would it be like if there were 100 children in our Main Street hallway on Sunday morning, think about the bedlam that would be there, right? Think about the children running, racing from one place to another. Think about the volunteers that are trying to check them in. Think about Jared and how crazy he would be going. If I could snap my fingers and make that happen next Sunday, I would want to see it. I would want to see that happen. But in my mind, I already see it. Can you see it with me? In my mind, I can picture that and I want to witness it happening. Question number three, and perhaps this is the most important of all. What would it be like if Jesus walked Main Street and saw all of that going on. Can you imagine? 
what it would be like. Can you imagine the smile on his face to see these children connecting with the story we have grown to love to tell. May God bless us as we seek to love children in his name.